Blog Talk Radio. today for the 2011 Black Wall Street USA National Convention and have a chance to win a seven-day Caribbean cruise, including airfare and accommodations. Trip arranged by a travelmoment.com. Representatives from 27 Black Wall Street districts from around the nation will convene on Gary, Indiana from October 21st to the 23rd at the Genesis Convention Center. This year's theme is Make Me a World. To have a chance to win the seven-day Caribbean cruise, you must register online at blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Hello, this is Prentice L. Allison, founder and president of SPSI, Service Perfect Solutions Incorporated, a network of financial service professionals teaching people how to use life insurance and annuities to retain more of their income and pay the least tax on it. Our toll-free number is 877-902-9048. We are proud to have serviced more than 500 clients national and international, from ages 0 to 99 for the past 30 years. My tip to you today is, if you are a business owner with at least one employee, including yourself, it would behoove you to get business life insurance. Why? Thank you for asking. Seven points I want to leave with you. Your premiums are tax deductible. 
your policy bills cash tax deferred, your cash reserve inside the policy is yours to use tax-free. The policy will replace your income if death occur prematurely. The company will pay the premiums if you become disabled. The policy will return all premiums to you when you retire. Last but not least, make sure your agent is well experienced in business life insurance. Stay tuned for more tips on how to use life insurance and annuities to help yourself today and protect your family and business tomorrow. This is Prentice L. Allison, president of SPSI. Toll-free number is 877-902-9048. I wish you well, and to God be the glory. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News, All You, for August 11, 2011. This new interbase broadcast is designed to service African Americans in the Chicago community and surrounding areas. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal, located at 449 East 35th Street in Chicago. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, and your host for this evening's show. Join us right here every Thursday evening for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we want you to be here with us to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. This show has a national focus. We reach out to organizations across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place to let the nation know what works. We bring forth people across the nation who know how to make it work. Our ongoing question for this show is, what did black America accomplish in 2010, and what is the number one priority for our communities in 2011? If you are interested in being a guest on our upcoming show, give us a call at 312-239-8835. Mr. Carter's direct number is 312-624-8351. You can listen to our shows at www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Our show link is right there on the main page at blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Also, our shows are rebroadcast on WJPC Chicago, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. That's www.wjpcchicago.com. Opening, opening up the show was African Queen. We thank him for uh, contributing that, that Shahada. And we are looking, always looking for new music. You know we took a break. We took a much-needed break, but you know how that feels. You feel like you just want another break. But so much is going on, and we haven't heard from Black Wall Street Chicago since Summit 16. Now they're on their way to Summit 17, but the chairman uh, is back to give us an update, and we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with the future of Black Wall Street. Most of you know that the second Black Wall Street National Convention is on its way to Gary, Indiana, this October 21st, and Ricky S. Cease, who is leading the way on that project, will be joining us this evening to give us uh, the exciting updates on the National Convention. There's some big, big things going on over there in Gary, Indiana. But also joining us first will be Chicago's own sax preacher, 
Uh, I understand he's been playing all over the city this summer. I haven't even taken a break enough to go see him, but I hope to uh, before fall comes. Brother Minister Raheem Atin, the sax preacher, is the founder of the Mercy, the Temple of Mercy Association, located in Chicago. A true Chicagoan, uh, Minister Atin attended Inglewood High School, and uh, he now heads up the Temple of Mercy Association which he says is all-inclusive, black consciousness, righteous movement for the upliftment of our people in the areas of health, wealth, and self-knowledge, and leads the community in the by-black, by walking in the true spirit of the journey to increase the econ- economics of our community. Uh, and, they, and he does. They have, they have the uh, Everything Black store over there on 79th Street, and uh, we all need to go in there and make a purchase and get in there to see what's going on. But he will be with us uh, in about 15 minutes, so stay with us. This is Black Wall Street USA. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. The calling number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information in the chat room. We just have one announcement before we bring the chairman on. Friday, tomorrow, August the 12th, we will be hosting one of our Let's Meet on the Street, that is 35th Street, for connecting that is much more than networking. Uh, We started these networking events uh, last year, last May, and they've they've grown and grown and grown, and we expect it to be a really uh, big event. When people start calling me that I don't even know, that I've never met before, then I know there's going to be some great connecting going on tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. Let's meet on the street. That's, that is 35th Street, Networking Chicago style, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street. That is the office of the South Street Journal. This event is a free event and is hosted by Chicago's Black Business Network and Black Wall Street Chicago. Bring a friend, bring your best business presentation, love for your fellow man, and come on and enjoy the evening with us. Now, we're going to be looking for your best elevator pitch. Someone called uh, yesterday. They want to give a 15-minute presentation. That's not an elevator pitch. We're talking about one minute or less because we expect to have quite a crowd here, and we want everybody to have an opportunity to, to connect. As a matter of fact, the thing for tomorrow is to find someone to work a referral system with you. We can't do this all by ourselves, people. We have to connect, and we have to pass the word about not only our business, but others, so we want you to make some great connections tomorrow night. WJPC-FM Chicago is a proud sponsor of this event, and they are giving away 25 commercial ads to each guest. So get ready to be seen and heard, and listen to WJPC-FM Chicago, the soul of Chicago. That's www.wjpcchicago.com. Drop your business cards in the red box by the door when you come in, and you will be eligible to win three, one of the three sets of 500 business cards we're going to give away. Another one of our uh, sponsors, Burrow Martin, uh, the regional sales director, thank you, Mr. Samuel Moore, uh, will also be supporting us and be here tomorrow for our event. Visit their site at www.burrowmartin.com. I'll spell that for you. B-E-R-Y-L-M-A-R-T-I-N. If you heard of the company that built that almost life-size Statue of Liberty, 
I think it was last year, then that's the company that they're talking about. They will be here tomorrow evening, so come drop your cards in the red box. Also, Pencilman, which is a member of Chicago's Black Business Network, has donated one of his infamous President Obama sketches for our door prize. So check out his page. And uh, his page is www.clarencepointer.com, and you will see those fabulous prints. So come by. You could be the winner of that President Obama poster. Uh, We're going to make a few uh, back-up-against-the-wall cocktails, have a light menu. Uh, Come join us as you wind down from from a week of hard work and wind up for much success in the coming weeks because you're going to make some great connections here. want you to know, and that's not all, before you exit that you are going to leave smarter than you came. Mr. Norman Lawrence asks, you have a shiny new website you've always wanted. Now what? Mr. Lawrence is the CEO of Sable Interactive, and he's going to tell you what to do with your new shiny toy. A lot of us have websites, but do we really, really know what to do with them? You can visit Mr. Lawrence at www.sableinteractive.com. Call me, Sonia Purdue, to RSVP. My number is 312-239-8835. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA, and that's a lot of things going on tomorrow night. You do not want to miss it. That is a free event. But tonight, we want you to stay with us. We want you to call in with your questions and comments. Uh, Minister Raheem, we've had him on a show before. I've had him on one of my shows. This is the first time he's been on Ron Carter's show. And uh, quite a lot to say, and he means what he says. You need to listen in and you need to call in with your questions and comments about what is going on in our communities. Our number is 347-326-9477. That's 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. If you want to connect with Minister Artin, you need to push the number one so that I will know that you want to come on the air. Let's now see if we can welcome the chairman to the show. It's been quite a while. How does it feel, chairman? How are you doing? I'm doing great, Sonia. How are you? I'm doing just wonderful, doing just wonderful. So uh, how was your break? I miss the idea of being on here. It was a little strange on Thursdays not being here on Chicago's Black Business Network. Uh, I don't even know what I was doing on Thursdays evening not being here. I can't imagine what happened. But um, we're here. I'm glad for us to be here again. There definitely was a lot going on that... um, we have missed out on, but that means that the agenda is just as thick as it was prior to us uh, taking that break. Uh, a lot of stuff been going on, so um, it's good to be back online talking to our folks and seeing exactly where they're at as well as Black Wall Street Chicago. Well, let's start with the last summit. When we left, we were going into summit number 16. Can you give us an update on that last summit? Because we haven't been on the air since then. Well, um, one thing about it, it was that our first summit, Summit 1, 
2007 on May 19th, we did pass a resolution. We had a lot of other resolutions, about 10 of them, that we worked on. And it seemed as though one of those resolutions was regarding youth. Uh, till that point, uh, we are just now really fulfilling that agenda for the youth. And fulfilling that agenda, we have came up with the um, the Yeti Youth through. Oh, I'm getting lots of youth. Uh, help me out. Youth empowerment through entrepreneurship. So Black Wall Street was able to uh, receive a grant from the state of Illinois that during this summer we hired 60 youth. And um, the reality of it is is that it shows us how much work we have to do to prepare for the future. Um, and just being blunt, out of our 60 youth um, in five different locations around Chicago, um, we do have to some kind of way penetrate to our youth the, the message and the implementation of Black Wall Street. So we are doing that even to the point that tomorrow we have a business seminar. And granted that the youth are being paid for what they're uh, doing with Black Wall Street, there is a, a group within that 60 that are focused and sensitive to the urgency of them to step up, uh, giving the youth our youth, there still is a, a a drive to bring them into the mix in a very short period of time. We um, had a hearing going over the overview of the city of Chicago is that if we don't focus on sustaining and increasing black businesses in our neighborhoods so that our youth can see in examples, we're going to continue to have the disarray of youth problems. And we first started off with Black Wall Street to the point that what we have to do, we have to see our progress. We have to see those businesses. And once we start seeing the businesses in our community the same way that is seen in Chinatown, Greek Town, Korean Town, uh, Little Village here in Chicago, which is a Hispanic uh, community, once our youth see us in control of the economics, they can see a future. But as long as they're continuing to beg and plead other people to hire them opposed to their own, then their minds would be in disarray in what the possibility that they can be. Granted, there are many youth, many, many youth that are focused in what we need to be about, but it is no way impartial to other nationalities. And race is a an issue based on what happens to some groups and what don't happen to another one. If we had other youth that is in the same situation as far as high dropout, high crime, high disrespect. Um, yeah, I was in the part of the hippie movement myself, 
and rebellious, part of the black uh, power movement. Uh, but I can see that all the work of the 60s and the 70s have not maintained the stability of where we need to be and a concrete future for the future of our youth. So everything that we do in being a business organization is about business, is about how do we benefit from our activities to Black Wall Street. But there's definitely an underlying mission of what Chicago is going to look like for black businesses in the future. And so, yes, the youth is our foundation, but along with that, there are so many plans in the interim. There's Black Wall Street, I believe, from our last summit, we have increased uh, up to 18 Black Wall Street districts. And one is on the west side, 16th Street, and there's another one on the uh was two have came back on in uh on the south side uh Ashland Avenue 79th Street to uh 95th Street um and then another one was Halsted Street 59th Street to 69th Street uh so as we are growing is a lot of growing out of our tight shoes you know sometimes you're going to grow automatically and if you don't get no bigger shoes meaning bigger resources we're going to walk uh, sideways because our doggone feet going to hurt if we do not get the proper shoes so black wall street is in the midst of trying to get some bigger shoes to do this full agenda from uh the parity to uh funds to government accountability to maintaining the government oversight and and tax money that's supposed to improve blighted areas, um, getting parity of the contracts, our own business investments, and our uh, even our agenda as it relates to Africa. So the agenda is continues to be full, and sometimes when you have such a full agenda, other things come on. So it's just like any other business, it's that business plan for blacks in Chicago and even as it relates to the national agenda as we move to the national convention of October the uh, 31st. I'm sorry, October. You know, my birthday is October 31st. You know, when you get closer to October, you start saying your birthday until instead of the date. But that's October 21st to the 23rd. And naturally, later on this program, we have our chair from Black Wall Street, Gary, Indiana, that's going to be with us to talk about how we're moving toward our national agenda. Great. You got a lot, Sonia. That includes you, too. That includes you, too. I know you're That includes you, too. You, I know yeah, you I emphasize that. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and he was just giving us an update on what's been going on this summer, and that's just some of the things. I see that I get first guest is on the line, so what we're going to do, uh, we're going to go to a break. I call the number 347 326 
888-646-9477. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back uh, with our first guest, Minister. You know, I got a new toy here. I have a new switchboard. Thank you. He and Mr. Carter can uh, really get down to uh, the nitty-gritty on this. Uh, there's there's still a lot going on. A little there's a lot going on over there at the Temple of Mercy, and uh, we're going to be right back with Minister Ateen. Thank you. The evolution is coming to Chicago Thursday, September the 29th. The ultimate beauty, fashion, and glamour experience set against the backdrop of the magnificent Chicago skyline and Lake Michigan on the Lakeview Terrace at Navy Pier. Our team of stylists, designers, and photographers from Houston, Los Angeles, and Chicago will navigate your glamorous evolution. The event will stream live, reaching a global audience. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience that you do not want to miss. For more information, visit evolutionchicago.info. They go to Chicago every third Saturday. When my DJ they turn me on to good good music. So this one day I day town, I try to keep my head down low. But the harder I try, so the more of the artists sing. They like to shine now. It's gonna be done do I'm Then don't be quenched. They don't love me, eh, 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 motivate me, eh, Black and yellow, black and yellow, 
black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Welcome back. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. We want to uh, welcome the chairman back. And, chairman, I'm going to let you introduce our first guest, Minister Rahim Atin. Uh, also known as the Sex Preacher and the founder of the Temple of Mercy Association here in Chicago. Well, it is definitely my pleasure in doing so, and I guess it's not just really a pleasure, it's a mission in uh, in inducing uh, the minister. Um, We met many years ago uh, when I was with the Greater Roseland organization. That was maybe in the early 80s. Since that time, we were reintroduced uh, through uh, South Street Journal newspaper. Uh, Since that time, we have been on a mission of many uh, issues, uh, many conversations, and also many focus of where we are and where we need to be and how we're going to get there. Uh, Given the background of the minister, not only with the Temple of Mercy Association, uh, he has taken on chairmanship of the uh, United American Progress Association headed by Mr. By Black himself, Webb Evans, uh, and along with that, the, he has formed the We Care Coalition, which consists of many progressive-thinking individuals that do have that mission of the black empowerment and identification. Uh, the minister is also known as, way before the movie came out, the Men in Black, and where these are a group of... Um, uh, uh, brothers that actually are uniformed. They're uniformed. If you can get the vision similar to the Nation of Islam, uh, that they be in unison with each other at different events dressed in black. Uh, that includes, and with the symbol on their shoulders of the red, black, and green. Uh, and they have been structured in a disciplined uh, type of style when they aren't together, uh, and they have also been a part of the music industry as well, as we normally, and as I normally call him, sax preacher. He has also been involved in nurturing and mentoring others in the music industry. Um, And as long as I have uh, known him and have listened to his music, uh, he had distributed a a video of him, I think it was on a June 10th, a Juneteenth event. And this video of him playing the sax, you can listen to him knowing that there is a substance behind the great music based on 
on demand. So, again, knowing uh, Saks for such a long time, and I guess I am going on and on about the man he is, let me welcome you all, uh, Minister uh, Raheem Atan, uh, better known, or not better known, but just as known as the Sax Preacher. How you doing, brother? Wow. <laughs> oh, you didn't well. know I knew all that about you. You didn't know that I still <laughs> maintain all those things about you. What are you talking about? Wow. Well, oh, I was almost wondering who you were talking about for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a... Uh, some definitely in-depth in who you are, along with being a, a a minister, and if I must say that there is a uh, a sign of ministry that is not of the norm, as you normally greet in your message when you address the community at large, and even when you address on your um Telephone answering. May I hear that address that you normally do? Yes, you may, sir. First, I'd like to say thank you, Ron and Sonia, for even inviting me on your show. I'm humbled to be uh, present here with you all. Um, But I'd like to open up with an opening that we say in the Temple of Mercy Association as a part of our reach out to our brothers and sisters of many different religions. This is what we say to bring a oneness to the room in itself that we don't overlook anyone based on their religious denomination. And it goes as follows. <clears throat> in the name of the everlasting Father, he that causes all that exists to exist, he that is self-existent, he who directs the sonships of millions and trillions of years, he who made time the seed of the universe. Known among the ancient Kenites as Amin-Ra and Aten, among the Hebrews as Ansar, Yahweh, and Elohim. Among the Christians as Lord, God, and Jehovah. Among the Muslims as Allah, the one God. Among the Rastafarians as Jah, Rastafari. I bear witness that all of these names refer to the same, one, Almighty God. And it is to him whom I give reverence and to whom I submit. I boldly proclaim that we, those children, of those black men and women who survived the transatlantic slave trade are that lost 13 tribes born in North America and that we are of a Nubian comedic lineage. I further proclaim that the blood of all the nationalities of the earth flowed through our veins. I greet you all in the ancient but yet holy words of peace. Jehotep, Shalom, Aslam Alaikum, Abaragani, Alafia, and Ashe. Well, my man, and we appreciate that greeting. And I think that the uh, the greeting that you uh, entertain to uh, to us, based on the many involvement issues that you're involved in, from the uh, ministers of Inglewood to the crime to the uh, peace marches to the economic development to having your own detergent, uh, to even your broader universal approach to spirituality. Uh, And along with, it seems as though every week, just about, there is some community involvement that you're not just being a part of, but it seems as though you are actually 
implementing if it's no more than your weekly meetings at the United American Progress Association to a sponsorship or plan at an event or mentoring and taking time out for individuals as well as organizations. What is your, is it a madness to your brain or is it some type of, sometimes people say that um, this was God directed you to do and you haven't got no choice but to do it. How do you sum up your involvement? Well, first I'd like to say that on a spiritual level, the way that I can do what I do, which is only by the grace of God, is to put or build in my mind spiritual lockboxes whereby you don't have everything that you have to do laid out in the front room of your mind. You put them away in different lockboxes and only pull them out when you need them, and that keeps you from going crazy. Most people try to keep everything out in the front room, and by doing such, you get really confused. So on a spiritual level, I created those lock boxes in my mind, and I put all each one where they belong, and then like whatever subject you ask me about, then I go to that box and I pull it out, and that's what we discuss. So on a spiritual level, that's how I handle that. But when you ask me about uh, is it something that I feel I have to do, Yes, I'm obligated to do what I do based on a calling that I received in 1987. Now, you mentioned about the music side of things. Well, I've been in music since I was 14. I've been playing music almost 30-something years. And we started a production called Toma Production back in the 80s. We're really back in 78. So um, later on, I had gotten sick. And I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis, which is the same thing that Bernie Mac had. But I was diagnosed in 1987. Well, I had the Temple of Music Association going strong with a lot of musical artists and whatnot, and we were doing what you call edutainment, which was entertainment by way of education or education by way of entertainment. And you had to be a positive rapper at the time. You had to be a conscious vocalist or whatever you're doing, that had anything to do with entertainment, you had to be conscious at that time. And so we put out CD, not CDs at the time, but cassettes and albums on most of our artists. Uh, Tyrone Hawthorne, who ran for Alderman in the 17th Ward, was one of my artists by the name of Ice Cold, the Ultimate Warrior. We put out two um, uh, cassettes on him. Uh, Brother Amon, uh, who is Amon Ra right now, we put out two cassettes on him. Rapping Tate the Great, we put out... Uh, actually an album and two cassettes on him. So uh, we were into music doing our thing, promoting our youth back then. But when I got sick and they told me I wouldn't live no longer than six to eight months, let alone a year, because I came to the hospital too late. My lungs were black. I couldn't breathe. They told me I'd never play my horn again. And so what happened, when my sister bought me the uh, information to get a book called Back to Eden, which was dealing with alternative medicines and herbs. She bought that to me, and I started reading it, and I started going to get the herbs that they talked about, and I changed my diet, became a vegetarian, and I upgraded my spirituality by coming out of religious denominations, which puts you in a box. 
And when that spiritual quest and that box run out, and you don't have anything else to draw from, then you die. But if you come out of the box and draw from the universe and a universal principle and a universal God and the oneness of God, and you connect yourself to that oneness, then you uh, have more of a chance to survive and, uh, um, you know, um, uh, uh, testify on God's miracles than anyone else could because you got connected to the one God. And so when I did that, it took me a year to come back and be up on my feet and able to play again, walk into a club. The band that was there stopped playing and looked at me because they thought I was dead. A young man told me last year, not a young man, a friend of mine from school told me last year when he walked up to me, he said they had a 20-year uh, reunion at the school from Inglewood and that he saw on the wall they had all the people that died that graduated during that time, and my picture was up there. So most people <laughs> thought I was dead. But God, and this was just last year. And oh, wow. Thought I was dead. Yeah. But God mm. saved me, and so the name Temple of Music Association changed to Temple of Mercy Association, all-inclusive, black conscious, righteous movement, not religious but righteous. And it's not okay. spiritual because you can have good spirits and bad spirits. So it's a spiritual uh-huh. movement, but it's a righteous movement. All right. I hope I so, answered that question. <laughs> well, um, as you look at the um, spiritual awareness with the issues that you face, I know that once you and I uh, really came back in acquaintance through uh, South Street Journal, you and, uh, and members of the Temple of Mercy and uh, the Men in Black was working on an issue that related to how some juices resemble uh, liquor, and yes, you sir. were having a campaign to get that those juices taken off the shelves because yes, it had uh, the similarity of young people while I was buying. Right. Now, even today, mm-hmm. and I think that that was maybe about – 15 years ago, even today, that same issue is still in the the community. I think that the uh, uh, Yvette Moyer uh, Mm -hmm. has started a campaign against the the liquor, I think it's uh, Club 45. It's called Blast. Right, called Blast. Right. Now, even though that was a similar issue that you was working on maybe about 15 years ago, and now today we're still dealing with this image of uh, a repeat of issues. So it seems as though that maybe as you all was doing it then and now it's back here 15 years later, and matter of fact, let me ask that that drink that you were uh, protesting 15 years ago. Who was that drink? What what uh, what company produced that? Actually, that was the Everfresh Juice Company. That was the Everfresh Juice Company. They were putting juice in wine-shaped bottles, looking like Wild Irish Rose and MD 2020. Okay, we, and now that the, was just a regular juice, but now today right. there is a, actually an alcohol. To look right. more like whatever Red should have been looking like 
Back 15 years ago. Right. So yeah, how do the color. black... Pardon? Go ahead. So how do you or the black community or the media be held accountable, or is it just a matter of every 10 or 15 or 5 years it is a continued battle with the images in the portrayal of what we do as a people and what we don't do as a people. Is it a continuation or does it stop? Uh, and, and so how do you analyze that based on the issues that keep resurfacing? Well, basically what I would say is that we have to keep our brothers and sisters who are on the battlefield on that front line and monitoring those situations because that's not the only area in which I see this stuff creeping back into our community. I remember we fought hard to get the alcohol out of Walgreens over on 71st and, and State Street, no, 74th and State Street, and we successfully got the alcohol out of there. And at that time, uh, we were number one in alcoholism in that particular community, and that particular Walgreens was the uh, highest selling uh, store of alcohol in the state of Illinois. Now today, this was back in the 90s, now today they're slowly easing it back in. You go over to the juice section and you see six packs of beer. 74th and State? Right over on State Street. 75th and State. Right. They come, they're bringing it back slowly. They, they ease it in to see if anybody complains. And they got the beer now. Now they got a little wine. Next, you're going to see the full line of alcohol. Well, how do you address that in the matter that, to our surprise, is that 75th and 75th Street, which Mm -hmm. is a black Wall Street district, and to our surprise, the Walgreens on 75th and State Street is a black-owned Walgreens. Mm Mm-hmm. So well, you know, is it to me, is it to me, community? If is it community self consciousness to the point that it is free at, uh, free enterprises, or how do you uh, separate community responsibility, self responsibility, and the dividing line that this is a capitalist society that if a person wants to indulge in alcohol the same way it's being put on the agenda now that uh, State Representative um, uh, LaShawn Ford is proposing that uh, to decriminalize marijuana. Is it how do you make that distinguish as far as uh, individual choice and a community choice? Well, first, in my opinion, is that the commercial industry, corporate industry, has no any kind of empathy, sympathy for our community at all, period. They don't care if the stuff is killing us or whatnot. All they want is the return in money. So we got to... But what's the difference between that and slavery? I mean, it's, uh, you know, America's based on capitalism. It's no different because even when you mention... Uh, a black man owning at Walgreens, that's only sharecropping like it was in the past anyway. 
when a black man owned a McDonald's, when a black man owned any part of another business to help further the cause of the Caucasian uh, to do what he's doing to us, he's sharecropping, you know, unless he owned actually his own business. But my thing is this. Yes, people do have a choice whether they want to drink alcohol or not. That's their thing. But we have to be uh, the watchers in our own community looking at too much of anything ain't good for nobody. Eighty percent of all homicide is done under the influence of alcohol, but all of the people want to keep focusing on the drugs. But 80% of the homicides is being done by people under the influence of alcohol. That means that's a state of emergency for us, and we need to curve some kind of way of the availability to our young people to get this alcohol. I was in Canada, big province. When you went to, to a liquor store, they had one big store in the middle of nowhere that served nothing but wine, all kind of wine. Then you had to go about 20 blocks to go get uh, hard liquor and beer. You couldn't walk from block to block, uh, neighborhood to neighborhood, and go to a liquor store. They had to purchase that stuff, and then they drank at home in their backyard and whatnot, and only inside of a lounge. How come that can't be the same way here? How come every block is a liquor store in the church? So there's something wrong with that picture, and then those who should be community activists or community-based organizations, we have to speak out on that. We have to speak out against it. We have to vote the community dry. Let there be some kind of distance between uh, uh, where we go and pick up this alcohol at. Well, to give you an example, when you talk about voting the area dry and your position mm -hmm. on that, now, 79th Street, where the Temple of Mercy is located, mm -hmm. uh, 79th Street, maybe about 10 years ago, it was uh, a nightclub alley as Rush oh, Street in Chicago. And yeah. uh, just about every block had a tavern. And, right. Uh, now, but at the same time, as Reverend James uh, Meeks in the mm -hmm. Rosen community uh, had a campaign to close and to vote dry the neighborhoods of the Rosen and Pullman neighborhood, mm -hmm. there were some complaints that what they were doing was closing down black liquor stores where the customers will only just go to another neighborhood and for the most part maybe travel all the way to uh, Western Avenue uh, to get a decent price for liquor if they can, opposed to the convenience of people going to shop for liquor and they're going to shop in their neighborhood. And then we go back to 79th Street where for the most part those were black businesses, but those black businesses did dominate with nightlife, uh, liquor. How do you separate that, or do we send those blacks that are into the liquor to the uh, north side or to the suburbs in order to get their entertainment? Well, see, you're speaking of a different side of it. Now you're speaking of the entertainment. We were speaking of the actual liquor stores itself. Because oh, yeah. the okay. nightclub owners, were traveling a distance to pick up their alcohol, then the only place you would be able to get your alcohol and you wouldn't be buying it by the six-pack, you'd be just getting it by the shot or the can if they had to mm -hmm. go a distance to get it and stock up at, the, at their lounge. We're not mm -hmm. knocking them. You know, me as a spiritual man, 
and a man of God, I would look across the board and say, well, we're not supposed to be drinking no way, you know, or smoking cigarettes and all of that. But I look at this middle line here and the reality that our people going to drink, our people going to smoke, not everybody, but those who do. And if you don't have it available for them, they're going to go somewhere else and get it. I'm saying that if we took on, see, America did what uh, Canada had been doing a long time ago. You know the stuff that they put on the side of the cigarettes now? Canada was yeah. doing that when I went to Canada in 1991. And I was like, man, they bold. This will kill you, it's a your liver. I said, man, I bought some packs back. And say, why this ain't on our cigarettes? But now 10 years to 15 years later, it's on there. So hopefully they'll pick up the way Canada is doing with their alcohol, just two warehouses, one for wine and one for beer and hard liquor. And you have to mm. go a distance to get it. So and then I was at your home, and it's in the lounge. It's not readily available, and if you're not 21, you can't get it, 21 and over. That'll minimize it right there in our communities. Remember, so most of these how do stores take food and liquor, and if they were just food stores by themselves, they probably wouldn't last long, so they have to have the liquor. Are you uh, pushing your lifestyle wheel on the community, if I was, I would say no alcohol at all and no cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the common denominator, and I'm saying if 80% of all homicides is based on the influence of alcohol in our communities, then alcohol is our enemy. And well, some people, would say it's, some people say it's drugs, and then I but got a report today. They say it's lead in the water. And some people say it's because the uh, uh, the street lights in the black community are yellow that distributes to a mindset of violence compared now, now to the what? street lights in the white neighborhood are white that is guess less what? Guess what, guess yeah. what? All of the above. Mm-hmm. It's true because there's a multiple of issues that we have as a people. And when they throw one rock, it's supposed to kill about five or six birds. They come in with six or seven things with that one rock, you know. Well, let so, me ask you then, you being mm-hmm. the chairperson of United American Progress Association as it relates to uh, uh, the president, Webb Evans, mm-hmm. then being in that position, and for those of our listeners who do not know, the United American Progress Association is a black organization that promotes buying black. Buying black, absolutely. Is how much, years, if too. you had your way in really dominating the mission of the United American Progress Association, how much of that would actually solve the communities of the black uh, uh, the problems of the black community. If I had my way, I don't understand that statement. Well, I mean that if the United American Progress Association can uh, really insert its agenda uh, by and black in the in the uh, black community, how much would that actually prevent all of these social issues that we? just got through discussing. Well, it wouldn't present all of those social issues. Now, American Progress Association and its forerunner, as far as the founder, 
Dr. Webb Evans, has been going around throughout Chicago and the United States promoting buying black and circulating the dollars among ourselves, saying how can we expect the people that put us in the ditch to get us out of the ditch? And if the people that live in our community is not buying from, if the people that have business in our community don't live in our community and they're taking the stuff out of our community, then we're not benefiting at all. He's been doing it for 50 years, and yet still we don't have the majority of our people understanding why we need to buy black. Well, well why is that? I mean, what I no different. Do, pardon? Hmm? I was going to say why, what why I Why is do. that? I mean, you had the foundation from uh, Marcus Garvey. You had the foundation from Elijah Muhammad. You had the uh, foundation from Malcolm X. You had the foundation uh, from many sectors. Now, even though that foundation is there, even from... Uh, Martin Luther King was he he was beginning to have that foundation. So with that foundation of the past, is that just mute? I mean, because I know that uh, I did have a conversation with uh, Webb Evans maybe a few days ago this week, and mm-hmm. as he is ninety five, what is he ninety eight, ninety seven years old, he made the comment that somehow, before, I mean, really the words from his mouth, he mm-hmm. made the comments that he know his age and he mm-hmm. know his time is is near, regardless oh, of how strong that he sound, no matter how much he is just involved as a 17-year-old guy, he mm-hmm. indicated that he know his time is near. But right. he somewhat said that, some kind of way he finally feels that something is about to happen. Now, with that, something is about to happen based on what he's been preaching on by black for all these years. Do you see something about to happen, and at what magnitude do you see that that will happen? Or if I can say, are you going to be... 97 years old, preaching just like Webb Evans. So if I have to be 97 years old and the Creator have me to live that long, I would say yes. But what I'm saying, what I believe Webb is saying, is that because Pharaoh has let us go as a people, and the Hispanics is moving in as being second, white folks first, them second, we're being pushed back to third and fourth because you got the Koreans and others. With this happening and the stock market falling and America going down, then black people are going to be forced to do for self. And some of our scholars and wise men will be forced to come and sit down at the table together and help us learn, not learn, but come up with ways and implement So are we going to, to kind of uh, black businesses? Huh? Now, are you and, saying that the, the way that Webb Evans – mission will mm-hmm. basically be accomplished if we are forced to be in that position, yes, such sir. as what's happening in London right now, yes. opposed yes. to us developing this on our own will? Okay, now you put another little dynamic in there. I wasn't really looking at the way they were doing it in London, because if black people 
do the way they're doing in London, we'll really push ourselves back 40-something odd years because the last time we did something like that, we burnt up every store in our community, then didn't have nowhere to go and shop. So for us to do that would be suicide for us. Well, if it's a matter of planning to avoid a riot, or is it planning for a revolution? But what I'm hearing from you, you're saying that we are going to be forced to do what Webb Evans has been preaching for us to do. Is that correct? In other words, we're going to be forced to create jobs for ourselves because a person who is self-employed will keep uh, a job quicker than one that continues to look for a job. Well, I mean, if I was one of those other nationalities, if I I wouldn't even try to force you to uh, do for self because you'll still be doing for me. So what what do you mean forced to do um, well, when to I do say what is right? That means huh? that, that what I'm saying is if there's no jobs, then you've got to try to create yourself one eventually. We know that if there's no uh, – uh, uh, if all the businesses, all the different ethnic groups with businesses are continuing – to survive by circulating the dollars among themselves and they ain't looking like they're throwing us no crumbs, we're going to be forced to do for ourselves. It's just no other way unless we're going to sit down and starve. So yeah, that means we're I, going to be forced. I wouldn't want you. I wouldn't put you all in a position to be forced because if I put you all in a position, and pardon my language, you all, if I was to do that, that would take away from my capital grain to allow you all to be forced to do for self. And I think that the powers to be, per se, have a projection and forecast to know what that trend will be. Uh, so what is the winning or losing battle here? What is the winning and losing battle? I almost said the N-word, but I won't on the radio, so I'll say it this way. <laughs> the ending battle is this again. They have another group in which they're going to be uh, oppressing to the same degree that they're oppressing us and getting from them, you know, because, see, they, if you understand what's going on with that group, they got their own TV station, all this and that and whatnot, but yet if you look at their television station and go all the way to the root of it, it's a Caucasian person that is actually over that for them. So they still going to be getting their kickbacks from the Hispanic community anyway while we sitting down there on the ground uh, slithering and trying to figure out what to do and, and, until we say, hey, wait a minute, we got to feed ourselves. We got to go for ourselves. We got to well, create our own. Well, is that things. a matter if, uh, if I can, couldn't that be a matter, uh, you know, just going back using some of the, uh, the comments of um, – not only, uh, I guess, the realism of the comments of Malcolm X, that he indicated that when blacks turn around and realize that they're going to have to open up and start businesses for themselves, it's going to be too late. And I can make that uh, assumption as, uh, not assumption, as a, a fact, rather, as Black Wall Street is jumping around Chicago calling different business strips uh, Black Wall Street districts, and we look on the street where South Street Journal, Black Wall Street, is at presently, there is no room for black business. So with that in mind, I want you to... I understand uh, there's no room for black businesses. 
Well, because there's no uh, there's no more. Uh, all the businesses are occupied. Don't all the businesses are occupied by some other ethnic group? There is no land yeah. available. Uh, take for example, the De La Salle High School has uh, demolished the only vacant property on 35th Street where there could be a, a possible black businesses. So Draper and you Kramer. Pardon? You ever notice they making business out of gas? They making grocery stores out of gas stations and making grocery stores out of little storefronts and all of that. There are places we can rent and create business all along 75th Street around Yates and whatnot, uh, uh, vacant storefronts and whatnot. There are places. What we need to do is hold hold that front line, those who are, uh, are conscious of what's really going on and knowing that commerce and economics, if we don't have none of that, we ain't fitting to make it. So if we hold that up while we train and teach the upcoming youth all about buying black and doing for self and teach them about Garvey and, and people like, uh, um, um, you, you know, uh, man, I can't remember his name. The, um, the guy that... Uh, well, but the uh, uh, minister, you name? have people, you have people such as, uh, ooh, what's these guys called... Um, Ooh, well, let me, for a lack of calling one of those guys' names out, um, hip-hoppers, rappers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, in one of these um, meetings about with one of these rappers that was running for mm-hmm. uh, the 20th Award, oh. yeah. uh, and he asked uh, one of the rappers here in Chicago, forgive me for getting this uh, brother name from Inglewood, um, Kanye mm-hmm. West. And he asked him for political support, and he said, "Those are for the those folks on the ground. We're the flies. We fly around. I'm not gonna waste my time uh, dealing with that stuff." And that is the sentiments that those in the the hip hoppers, or even the music industry, even to the point if we can go back to say uh, Curtis Mayfield and um, uh, Marvin Gaye. It seems as though the music industry have a greater influence in our direction opposed to our leaders. Uh, uh, Al Sharpton. They have a greater uh, influence, but they still need to be educated too. Because so how are you going to get to that? The entertainment world are part of that one trillion that, 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 that we spend as a people and that spend less than 1% of it with ourselves. It's not all in the inner cities of black America, but it's our celebrity entertainers and sports figures also who don't buy black, you see. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at people who are not educated on the state of emergency that we're in. You said Cornell West and we had Tavis Smiley. You're talking about a poverty situation. But one of the major ways. Well, no, not Cornell West. What's the rapper uh, here? No, no, I, I, know, I mean, I was talking about what they just did at St. Sabina. Okay. You know, with this poverty tour that he's going on, all right? Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, if if we don't get commerce and industry together, we're going to perish economically as a people. And one of the Let me ask you, was you at that event at St. Sabina? Mm-hmm. I didn't okay. go to that one, or I didn't go downtown to beg for jobs. I get tired of going to venting situations. If we was not going to have a meeting that was going to be the type of meeting where we were going to organize, strategize, and move on it, I ain't going to just vent. I ain't going to just run my mouth. I get tired of that. Ain't nothing Cornell West or Tavis can do for us with their mouth. 
Mm-hmm. If they can go and promote buying black and circulating the black dollar and telling some of them celebrities the uh, importance of it and, and how much of a state of emergency it is, and then they get a report on how they buying black, then they're really not helping us. Mm-hmm. To me. Well, then, how do we actually? I mean, we we definitely touched on um, a lot of issues, and a lot of issues we have not touched on. But <laughs> yes, the sir. influence of individuals, say the influence of Travis Smiley and Cornell West, versus the influence of the money and the publicity they get when they do their poverty speaking tours opposed to um, Minister uh, Rahim uh, making his everyday tours where the media attention is not there. Uh, And I I, I look at you definitely as a major influence in the streets and the direction of, of Chicago and throughout your travelers around the country. But yet your message is having a hard time breaking through, such as the message of Travis Molly and uh, Cornell West. How do and you, you can add, and you can add Minister Farrakhan to that because he gets the ear of the people too. Um, I understand what you're saying. There are many, many activists who don't get the media involved. Now, it's not that I don't know how to do that, you know, because I studied that type of promotion. It's just that I don't look for the media to promote what I do, which gives me a more freer reign to do what I do and how I do it. So uh, are you concerned about your message being more broader in order for people to... Oh, I love the message to be more broader, but if, if that happens, it's not going to be because I've been trying to uh, jump in front of the camera every time a camera comes. They're going to find me doing my father's business. Mm-hmm. That's okay, well... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the difference. I, I don't go chasing for the camera like most of our people do, because the more you chase after the camera, the more you get closer and closer next to the Pharaoh and the people who uh, are delights in, in, in us being in our condition and gets, and gets paid for us being in this condition. You know, look at Travis Smiley and the people who are actually uh, sponsoring him to do what he do. They basically the same well, then, people. How, like how stock, do, what is your reaction to, uh, yeah, uh, well, look at Reverend uh, Al Sharpton. He's on. Uh, he on I'm, but listen, Al Sharpton. Well, he's on, uh, he's on, w, not, not on WVON, he's on MSA. He's, he's a sport, he's a newscaster on, I believe it's MSN now. Do the you think that, that his influence? The people that, the people that sponsor him has stock in, the criminal justice system on the stock market. And so, so how do he take advantage of that, or do he not take advantage of that, or do you think uh, Reverend yeah, Sharpton is on MSN? Pardon? I'll tell you what he has to do. He can't be thinking about money first. He got to be just like Arsenio Hall. Not well, naturally, kidding. he's probably getting $200,000 to be on uh, MSN. He, he got to be getting uh-huh. in the six figures. I'm telling you about a black man who wasn't scared, Arsenio Hall, all right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, he should know and time it that I'm not going to be on this uh, air too long, so I got to get this word out, and I got to make it strong, and I got to make it in 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 enough words and images 
that's going to get to the most amount of my people. And then well, if you listen to him on uh, MSN, do you think that he's appropriate in his message, in his uh, perspectives? To me, he's sitting on MSN doing what he's doing on all his stations and what most of them do, just presenting issues, presenting issues. Nobody's going to the root. Nobody's going to uh, the, the, the straight to where all of this is really coming from. The corporate world rules this world. Most of these corporations, from the food industry to every other part of the industry that's dealing with us as a people from fashions and all, they're the ones who rule. Now, if we don't go to the head of uh, uh, Viacom, if we don't deal with the head of uh, Clear Channel, who own mostly all our radio stations, and then address them and let them know we're not going to take it no more, we're going to show them what we don't like about the type of programming that they are giving us in our community, and we ain't saying take it away. We're saying make it equal. Put some positive so stuff on there, too. How Put some do positive you challenge? on there, too. How do you so how do you challenge the the masses the massive media uh in all its power and as we look at uh MSN news and I we think. see a Al uh uh Sharpton opposed mm-hmm. to um whatever the guy may name uh, Anderson or whoever it may be yeah they how do we exactly make that decision how do, we make, how do we make that decision? Of who we want to see. Yeah. Do we want to see Al Sharpton on MSN, or do we want to see uh, 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 Ball, this guy, this, I, I can't even think of their names, uh, to be on WLS uh, here in Chicago? Who would we prefer to see that uh, Viacon put on that primetime news, Al Sharpton or, or, or some – uh, Anderson or some uh, uh, Tom Harker, whatever they may may be. How do we choose? I would rather see Minister Lewis Farrakhan on now. Okay, in the absence of, uh, of Minister Lewis Farrakhan, you got a choice between L. Sharpton and uh, uh, Mr. Anderson. Who do you or do we turn it off? You tell me the white dude. Uh, I Mr. can't Anderson. even think of none of their names, uh, but I know I'm talking about a white, the white dude, dude, that's right? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I ain't thinking about him. He says, Al Sharpton or the white dude. You're right. I'd rather be the white dude. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know Why is that? Why is that, because, though? I because mean, the man. But if you take the, the white dude, that means that a black dude ain't going to get that six-figure income. I ain't think about the income. That's why I'm talking about the issues. The white dude ain't scared to do the issues. The white dude ain't scared to stand in the midst of firepower and bullets and all and say, here I am right here in the midst of this. This is what's really going on. He ain't scared to go out there and do that stuff. Al Sharpton, all mouth. He's Al all Sharpton mouth? This thing, all mouth, 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 and organization and income. He's going to keep his position, his duty. He's going to keep his class in the world as far as upper class and whatnot, he ain't going to do nothing that's truly going to challenge his position in the world as far as his income and anything else. He is not going to do that. He's not going to do what Martin Luther King did. He's not going to do what Malcolm X did. Neither well, is, uh, is, is, is Farrakhan doing what Malcolm X and Martin Luther King did? 
let them put him on TV like that, and I bet you he won't hold back. He'll be equal to that guy. Well, I'll hold him back, but I'm looking at the implementation. Will Farrakhan, or are you saying Farrakhan is the closest to ever do what Malcolm X did as an example and Martin Luther King as an example? Will Farrakhan uh, walk the streets as Martin Luther King, or will Farrakhan walk the streets like Malcolm X as he eventually did? Let me show you who we got. These are the two. You got Malik Zulu Shabazz, all right, who's the head Mm -hmm. of the New Black Panther Party on one end. You got Minister Louis Farrakhan on another end. Both of these people get the attention of the media. If they could get more media attention, more cable shows or whatever other shows, they would stir up more of our people. Then they'll go out and they'll pull those people to them and some of the members of the nation would get to the rest of them, and some of the members of the new Black Panther Party would, and don't have to then worry about the Temple of Mercy because we'll move right on in and be right there with them because we always going to stand on the front line with those who ain't scared and going to stand on the front line and make it happen. Okay, so the, the in, the absence, in the absence of the media attention of Minister Farrakhan, what do we do now? Do we continue to push push away or pinch away oppression, or do we go back to our original question that I had that 15 years ago you was challenging the uh, the uh, beverage company in its uh, marketing to black folks to 15 years later we're still challenging the beverage um uh, companies is they're still marketing a a negative campaign of uh, deception as far as liquor is concerned. So is okay, it every fifteen years or what's going on here? What well, do we draw the line? Every ten and fifteen years they repeat the same thing over and over again. As long as they got the generations divided, where they can't pass down that information to the next group, they're going to keep doing it. What it is that they're capitalizing on is our disunity. Not us drinking and this and that and all of that. As long as we are separated, the elderly and the youth, all right, and that whole Willie Lynch thing, as long as that stays prevalent in our community, they can drop anything in our community and do what they want to do to us from drugs to bad food to alcohol to whatever else they want to. And well, let me can. question you on this here. Now, I know so the work. Right. Well, I know the work that you do in the trenches. And even with the work that you do in the trenches versus the work that maybe Louis Farrakhan uh, need to do, does uh, Minister Minister Louis Farrakhan need to walk with uh, Minister Raheem down 79th Street, uh, or do Minister Raheem need to stand on the podium with uh, Minister Farrakhan? Uh, no. So where do we de- make that distinguish of the leadership and the presence of leadership? I believe that Minister Farrakhan need to uh, allow his uh, members, FOI, to come and sit down and work in conjunction with us to patrol our streets and patrol our neighborhoods to bring a sense of peace to our neighborhoods where then we can start the process 
of educating the people in the neighborhood that we come into contact with, and they will see us in unity, the OMIB, the FOI, the Morris Science Temple of America, and the New Black Panther Party. That will be, that will be the Well, you're spot. talking about a whole bunch of uh, um, uh, radical, militant-sound-like individuals, but I would like to get back to that versus those type of organizations and other organizations after we take this break. Won't you please hold on with us, uh, Minister, when we come back on the other side. And Miss um, uh, Sonia Purdue. Yes, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA with Chairman of Black Wall Street, Ron Carter. I'm Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. And uh, you were also listening to Minister Ating, uh, the sax preacher, founder of the Temple of Mercy Association, located in Chicago. And we certainly hope that the sax preacher and Dr. Webb will join us on more upcoming segments of Black Wall Street USA. We're right here every Thursday evening from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we want you to be with us on Thursdays to be a part of all that we do in sustaining and increasing black businesses. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. We're going to take a little break here. Mr. Ricky Cease, who is heading up the second Black Wall Street National Convention in Gary in October, will be with us to give us some exciting uh, updates on what's going on over there. You can get more details on this convention at www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. auxiliaries, pastors, we want to hear from you. If you and your ministry have got what it takes to be contestants on the new Christian game show, just say the word. Here's what we want you to do. Check out www.masterstylemedia.com forward slash gospel TV. This is where you can find details and information about this hot new Christian game show that's going to help unite the body of Christ by seeing what you know about the word and challenging you to learn more. We're calling on everybody, ushers, the mother's board, deacons, servants. We want to hear from you. Again, www.masterstylemedia.com forward slash gospel TV. If you and your church have got what it takes to be contestants on Just Say the Word, we want to hear from you. Come on and check us out. God bless.
Register today for the 2011 Black Wall Street USA National Convention and have a chance to win a seven-day Caribbean cruise, including airfare and accommodations. Trip arranged by a travelmoment.com. Representatives from 27 Black Wall Street districts from around the nation will convene on Gary, Indiana from October 21st to the 23rd at the Genesis Convention Center. This year's theme is Make Me a World. To have a chance to win the seven-day Caribbean cruise, you must register online at blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News, All You, for August 11, 2011. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Our next guest will be Mr. Ricky Cease, who is heading up the second National Black Wall Street National Convention in Gary, Indiana. Our caller number is 347 326 Nine four seven seven three four seven three two six nine four seven seven. Just want to give you a little update of what's coming up next on Black Wall Street USA. Next Thursday, August eighteenth, Miss Naomi Davis, founder of Blacks and Green, joins us on Black Wall Street USA. According to Miss Davis, Big B I G is a green village builder, a national network, one of America's most diverse eco-organizations, and a thought leader in green community education and trade development for communities of color across 13 economic sectors, and she'll tell us, tell us what that is. They teach a whole system solution for the whole system problems common to black communities everywhere through its platform. The eight principles of green village building and its precursor, Grannynomics. Visit blacksandgreen.org for more information. Also, on Saturday, August 27th, Chicago's Black Business Radio Network is launching a, an exciting new segment for those who have, a word, who have a love of words. Book Talk with Dr. Constance D. Shabazz is the next installment in our quest to help bring literary, literary talent to the African-American community uh, to the world stage. This two-hour program will feature local and national authors and lively discussions about their work, the writing process, and the challenges facing the literary industry. Also join us on Chicago's Black Business Radio Network for our virtual book club, where we invite members of book clubs across the country to weigh in on the latest literary releases. Visit Books, Inc. Bookstore at 1835 West 103rd Street in Chicago, or online at booksinkonline.com. Dr. Constance D. Shabazz is the co-owner of Books, Inc. Bookstore in Chicago. This is one of the few African-American-owned bookstores in the Chicago area. Constance and her husband, Angelo, have been in the bookselling business for more than 30 years. They've turned their love of reading and literary arts into a vehicle to help aspiring, seasoned authors. They do this through a variety of literary events, such as the Literary Luncheon and the Authors Showcase, which is coming up in uh, October. They have sponsored a number of other events, such as book fairs, writers' conferences, memoir, and screenwriting classes. So we're delighted to add her to our lineup. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network is launching a lot of programs in the upcoming months, and we want you to be a part of it. So stay tuned. And to find out more details, we want to remind you of tomorrow's event, Friday, August the 12th, 
We will be hosting another one of our Let's Meet on the Street, that is 35th Street, for connecting that is more than networking events. That's 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at 449 East 35th Street in Chicago. We are Networking Chicago Style. This is a free event hosted by Chicago's Black Business Network and Black Wall Street Chicago. Bring a friend, your best business presentation, love for your fellow man, and enjoy the evening with us. We want the sax preacher to stay with us, and we want to talk about the upcoming parade uh, before you get off the air. But we're going to bring uh, the chairman back online so that he can introduce our next guest who's working on the second Black Wall Street National Convention. The sax preacher, we don't want you to leave the air without talking about the upcoming Parade. Welcome back to the show, Chairman, and why don't you introduce our next guest? Well, thank you, Sonia, and we definitely want to come back to um, uh, Minister uh, Rahim, our sax preacher, and with that in mind, as we're talking about buying black and we're talking about black economics along with some social leadership, um, Ricky Cease has taken upon himself in a city that was historically known as the first black convention, I believe, in 1974, to the point of he's bringing the convention back to Gary with an economic ag- agenda. Uh, I met Ricky uh, some time ago at uh, one of our business uh, networks, which is again is a, a reflection of what's going to be happening tomorrow night, and uh, a businessman, a, a a man that have a vision, uh, which I can say a vision in a task that is a rarity uh, throughout this country, and it seems as though he has taken on some say that may be a surprising comeback for a city that is, I believe, about 95 or 85 percent black that at this present time seems like there's no hope. But there was a vision from Ricky Cease, and with that in mind, uh, he has came to be a part of Black Wall Street, um, and he has expanded his interest to a Black Wall Street, Gary, Indiana, uh, along with business initiatives opposed to just the campaign. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Ricky Cease. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I am super excited uh, to be a part of the call tonight. Um, definitely have been listening in to the sax preacher, and he said some, some powerful things. Oh, so uh, you heard all that conversation, huh? Yes, yes, yes. That was powerful, and it was some of well, a lot of it was so true um, to what he was saying, as well as you, Ron. But um, yeah, it, it, it was powerful. So yeah, I am excited um, to be on the call tonight and just kind of give a tad bit of information on what's going on over here in Gary. Uh, of course, like you mentioned, we are hosting the national convention. It will be going on October 21st uh, at the Genesis Convention Center. So. Uh, right now, we are still um, getting businesses and individuals to um, – well, let me just say this. Right now, we're kind of in a learning curve because uh, it's still a lot of individuals that don't know about Black Wall Street and not aware of what happened in Tulsa. So 
not only to getting people to sign up here, but we're still kind of educating them and, um, along the way uh, so they can have a full understanding and, and understand the significance of Black Wall Street and the history of it and uh, also what we're doing right here in Gary. So it's been... Uh, well, well, it's been why, well, why Gary, though? I mean, to the point that uh, I, I do, uh, just for our listening audience, we did meet with the uh, the mayor of Gary maybe about a year and a half ago, and he did endorse the campaign for Black Wall Street in Gary. Uh, that was maybe about a year and a half ago, and huh. yes, you stepped up to the rim, but as you drive down the busy street or the main street of Gary, uh, you have... Uh, trees growing out of buildings you have trees growing on top of some of the uh the tall the hotel across the street from uh city hall and you have a political uh fight with the state of indiana is it possible or what is the the, the status it seems as though gary has uh kind of uh left the map. Don't nobody really talk about Gary almost to the point that don't nobody talk about Detroit, Michigan. So what is the task? What is the vision? What exactly can happen or is not going to happen? Wow, Ron. <laughs> wow, Ron. You put us out there like that. Hey, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I mean, here's the thing, Ron. Um, and this is what I'm calling when I'm sitting in front of my constituents, man, and and uh, my team and talking to individuals, man. Gary is like Vegas, you know. Everyone always say, "Hey, it's nothing there, it's nothing there," and that is true. That is very true. It's a lot of work to be done in this city. Um, we are 85% black city, um, and it's a lot of work to be done. It's a lot. It's a lot of poverty. It's a lot of enslaved thinking. Uh, kind of what uh, 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 Minister Sachs was saying, a lot of it is going on right here in this city. Uh, the economic level, our economy, as far as jobs and, and different things like that, um, is slow and it's at a it's you know it's at a minimal. So it's a lot of work to be done. But the thing is with Gary, it can want the you know when you look back at this city and that very street you was talking about, Ryan, which is Broadway, was lit up. You got to understand, Gary, Indiana was the first billionaire city in the United States, Gary, Indiana, because of our steel mill, U.S. Steel, mm -hmm. and, the, and okay. you know, they, the mill built this city. So it was the first mm -hmm. billionaire city, and it can get back to that. It's going to get back to that, but it, it falls down to leadership. It falls down to visionaries. It falls down to organizations like this uh, to increase that awareness, to understand uh the importance of getting back to that, well, not even getting back to almost surpassing that level. Uh, that's 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 my drive. That's my agenda. That's my vision for this city and getting those that that have the vision. You know, a lot of people, what I'm dealing with right now uh, is a lot of people saying, hey, it's nothing there. They don't want to come there. A lot of people want to, you know, they're waiting to see something happen, and then they want to invest. So then they want to, you know, get them moving and shaking. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want those type of people. I want people that. Well, let, let me ask you this here. Uh, it seems as though everything is growing around and on the border of of Gary. How come some of those big box stores 
that is on the borderline of Gary did not just cross the street and be in Gary. And when Gary actually go across the street to another city to shop at those big boxes, but those big boxes would not put their foot in the city of Gary itself. What is that? What is what's going on there? Well, you got to look at um, and and businesses come when you're looking at big big corporations like that coming in, and you look at. Um, you know, the income level of individuals here and as well as, you know, crime plays a part, our politics plays a part. But could that crime location. just cross the street to that big box across the street from Gary? I mean, if what you got you a big box right across the street from the uh, city limits of Gary, that same crime, couldn't they just easily cross the street and do the same crime? How come that big box... Uh, the grocery stores and the Walmarts and those people didn't just set up shop in the city of Gary. Well, you know what? We had we just made um, the highway on Grant Street. We got some big store. Walmart was on, on the table as far as coming to Gary and some others. So they just made it where, you know, they wouldn't come unless the highway was built where traffic could come in and out uh, off 94. So we just got that done. uh or Grant Street. So that is in the making. A Walmart is in the making, and I believe some other ones are coming. But like I said, that's, you know, I don't know. That's a good question, Ron. You know, it that goes far beyond me because it gets political. You know, it gets at a state level, too. Indianapolis is almost, you know, they don't want to see nothing here in gear. You know, they, they're, they're almost they, they're they, who is they? The, the, the state, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. want to say, well, you know, we, we, we want to say the white, you know, I don't want to say the white man, but, you know, a lot of those people down there in the state of making decisions are white. And, you know, the white people have this city before, and they kind of want it back. But, it, you know, a lot of people have went downstate with major projects, and they have said no, no, Well, I understand no. also that Gary is in the city of Gary is basically in a fight with the state legislator of Indiana as they are chopping away the city of Gary as far as land is concerned. Is that a uh, a, a truth to the matter that they are the state of, and then I understand that the, uh, the state of uh, Indiana has took some control of the city government of Gary. Is Are you abreast of those? What we we were uh, that was close. That was actually very close, but um, that didn't happen. You know, we the, the the city came together. We had some town hall meetings. We voted against that, and it uh, it didn't happen. But it's still mm-hmm. it's almost like on a um, on a contingent basis almost. It's it, you know we if we don't do this, or the city doesn't come up with this, or this doesn't happen, then they're going to take over. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we are. Um, you know, at at that point, but it, well, we it, when we met with the um, the mayor of of Gary, uh, and it was entertained that Black Wall Street uh, have um, a, a a Black Wall Street uh, district in Gary. Uh, the mayor indicated, yes, come on with it. The question to us was, would the powers to be, based on the quick the quickness of what the community of Gary would like to see happen versus 
having black businesses come to Gary. Um, and it chased the Walmarts away. And what's the pros and cons of bringing on a Walmart and calling Broadway a black Wall Street district? Well, Wall, the Walmart project would be on Grant Street, so it wouldn't be on Broadway. Broadway is my focus uh, as well as some others. And that's where the Black Wall Street district is, from Fifth Avenue all the way up to 25th. So that wouldn't even be an option. It, it, the land, it's not even zoned big enough for Walmart to come on uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. But Grant Street has more than enough mm-hmm. land uh, to accommodate that. So Broadway wouldn't even be an option right. uh, well, for Walmart. Well, uh, Ricky, we do have a caller on the line uh, that wants to uh, uh, ask you, can um, uh, Sonia, you said we have a, a caller? Uh, yeah, this is the Black Wall Street USA. This is Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street. Yes, yeah, Shaka Barack is on the line, and we want to bring uh, all our guests back, including Minister Ateen, because we do want to talk about the upcoming Marcus Garvey Parade. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be Shaka here. Barack. Great. Yes, it's a pleasure. Uh, pleasure to have you on again, um, uh, Brother Shaka, um, one of our original members of Black Wall Street as well. Do um, you have a comment or a question based on our discussion? Well, certainly, as um, the um, national leadership has said, in October, Gary is the place that we ought to be. Uh, certainly, it is you know, filled with challenges. Uh, Most of the African communities throughout the country are filled with certain kinds of challenges. But I think Wall Street, Black Wall Street, the concept has a great uh, possibility in making some changes and some transformations when it gets people to think. Black Wall Street came out of a pain, a pain of suffering, a pain of segregation, the pain of Jim Crow. And while those forms of discrimination don't exist overtly today, they do exist subtly. And Black Wall Street has a place to bring justice, bring education, to bring hope, to bring opportunity inside of Gary and other places throughout the country. So well, I look let me forward to ask being there here. Right. There's a statement here. There's a book called uh, Black Wall Street by J.J. Wilson and Ron Wallace. And in their foreword, they have the comment stating that the 1921 Tulsa, Oklahoma race riot resulted in the systematic destruction of a black economic movement that would have eliminated itself all across America the KKK and high city officials could not allow that to happen. Is that the case with communities or cities such as uh, Gary, Indiana, based on this long history of neglect and not to come back from that steel mill? So uh, Ricky, Ashaka, and even uh, Minister Raim, and we definitely want you to come back in as it even relates to 75th Street. Um, I get a comment based on that that comment from the book. Well, I don't think that they have the final say as to 
whether or not we will rise again. I think we will rise. I think we will rise. What happens is when people don't have leadership with a vision, a vision of that is based on knowledge of the past, knowledge of uh, and comprehensive knowledge and understanding of the present, and a vision of the future, then sometimes even the leaders that Minister Rahim talked about earlier fail to give the people, to inspire the people, to make the people look beyond the horizons. And so that is why the history of Black Wall Street and the history of one of the greatest leaders uh, of our people that ever lived is so important to bring to our people. So while those uh, there are some who do have doubt when they see the plight and some get negative and some become afraid and some become hopeless when they look at the conditions of our people. But we who know history know that, you know, we uh, have risen out of ashes to become a strong people. We have risen out of slavery to become a strong people. And we'll do it again and again and again. We will rise. And so Black okay, Wall well, Street, with that in history, mind, I know that you are the, uh, the, the, the president and founder of the Marcus Garvey Institute, and uh, Sachs Preacher has been on a continuous basis uh, promoting the bad black in August. Uh, matter of fact, Marcus Garvey's birthday is what? August what? August the 17th, next Wednesday. August the 17th, and uh, Minister um, uh, Sachs Preacher is going to have his continuous uh, march along the Black Wall Street of 75th Street. And taking that in, in, in focus, uh, uh, Sachs, as, you, as we look at and as we talked about earlier, Marcus Garvey is almost one of those, you know, even though we have a school, uh, on the south side, in the name of Marcus Garvey, and you have the parade, uh, and naturally Shaka have been the 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 founder of the Marcus Garvey uh, 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 Institute. What are you hoping to do on 75th Street as it relates in the name of Marcus Garvey, and has the the message of Marcus Garvey? Is that one of those, is it a movement that is hard to push or you're pushing it in a way down 75th Street? How do we come to grips with a bad black, black march on a black Wall Street when yet the name Marcus Garvey is still not pushed based on his message? First, I believe we would need to saturate that community in that area along the parade route with information and education on who Marcus Garvey is as well as what happened with Black Wall Street. And I believe what our message is to our people is that we got to get up and do for ourselves. Hopefully what we are doing will increase their awareness as far as the uh, black businesses, increase their awareness of the need for them to stay in business and the need for the people in the community to do business with them, and then we hope that it scared the hell out of the Koreans and the others to get the hell up out of there. Well, what is the details of the what's the details of the parade and the information regarding the parade that you or what people are supposed to do or need to do 
uh, on this uh, on this black parade in the name of Marcus Garvey on this Black Wall Street district. So basically, uh, the parade is uh, Saturday, August twenty seventh, and it's going to be from ten a.m. to twelve noon, and we're going to be um, making a circle actually from uh, seventy six in Cottage Grove down to 79th, over to State Street, up State Street to 75th, and then back down to Black Wall Street District where 87% of the businesses are black businesses. We're asking all the, uh, not just black businesses along the parade route, but all the uh, black businesses that are under the sound of my voice, that they will come and join in with us to make this one of the biggest parades ever. One of the main things we got to look at is a symbol of unity. You know, we got to do things as one. We got to be seen working together, doing it. Different community-based groups working together, different religious denominations coming together, different community-based organizations coming together. Mm-hmm. Not only is okay. So what, what time is they going to be the coming together on that day? What, what time so and where would people be? Meeting? Nine o'clock at seventy-six in Cottage Grove. We kick off at ten, mm-hmm. and we're asking everybody to join in. And if you can't join in, just line up along the parade route. And just cheer us on, you know. Mm-hmm. And right after that, it's going to be a town hall meeting uh, three days later, August 31st. And it's going to be mm-hmm. held at 1716 West on 79th Street at the Temple of Mercy Association. It's the state of black America. Mm-hmm. And so we're going well, to let have me uh, kind of back up as we're getting ready to uh, uh, close out this program. I want to kind of go back to uh, Ricky Cease. Uh, as you uh, heard uh, Brother Sachs talking about the Marcus, uh, Marcus Garvey parade down the Black Wall Street district of uh, 75th Street, what would it take, or is that something that Gary, Indiana, is looking forward to, something similar as we have, are going to hold this national uh, convention at Gary? Is and, and even if to the point that Marcus Garvey uh, or the Black Wall Street, is this something that the Gary, Indiana, will be open to, or is this something that Gary, Indiana, will be of curiosity or jump on to or wait and see what would happen? Are you talking about in terms of the convention or the parade? Well, in terms of the movement, of a black Wall Street in Gary? Is it something that is numb? Is it something that is inviting? Is it something that let's wait and see? Or is it something that the people of Gary can identify with, uh, and especially when we're talking about sustaining and increasing black businesses? Right. No, this is this is something um, that is well anticipated is as, as well as well needed. Let, let me say this, Ron. I believe after this uh, convention uh, in October, I believe that the 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 the, the perception of this city, of the individuals with, within this city, and the black leaders, and developers, as 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 Christian leaders, everyone, if they all can attend this and listen and get the full full understanding of what this is, then I believe that a change can come. But, but let me say this. I don't want it just to be all talk. You know, I, you, you got a lot of convention People attend a lot of conventions. We got a lot of organizations within this city, and it's all talk. No one is doing anything significant. No one is making any headway.
No one is just doing anything on the development side. I'm sick of that. I, I wouldn't even be a part of this organization if they wasn't moving and shaking. It was just all talk and people just getting on, you know, getting on here just talking. It's just, you know, nothing is being significantly done. I wouldn't be a part of that because it's time out for that. So after this convention, I believe that and, and the agenda and everything is set and the vision that uh, that Michael Carter has, I believe that some change will come. I mean, we, we, we will see. Well, are you saying that, um, you know, and pardon me if I offend anyone, are you looking that this is not going to be just uh, another Million Man March? Right. I don't. I, that, I don't. I don't want I mean, that to I be don't another million man march. My statement by saying that, and especially with the other two brothers on here for me to make that, but that's how I threw it out there. Well, the thing is, is that maybe out. if I can, if I no. can, as we go into our closing remarks, that if all three of you can uh, kind of respond to that, is this just another million man march? As you give your phone numbers and contact information, um, um, so. If we can start off with, uh, real quickly, uh, Shaka Barak, uh, do you think that this year would be just another Million Man March and Gary, and your contact, and what's your event going to be um, with the Marcus Garvey Institute, very quickly? Well, I'd love if it uh, just even came close to the kind of numbers and the kind of significance that makes history. You always know about the history of the Million Man March, whether you like how it actually unfolded and whether there was the type of uh, follow-up that you would appreciate. But the fact that the million people showed up, that's significant. Uh, two is that uh, my contribution will be is as we near the actual uh, national um, Black Wall Street Convention is to get down to Gary and to bring the kind of information that we have for organizing and mobilizing people to understand the importance of Black Wall Street and the work of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. My contact information is area code 312-391-8383, 312-391-8383. Or you can email me at Shaka Barak, S-H-A-K-A-B-A-R-A-K-1, the number one, at yahoo.com. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, Sax Preacher, is uh, Gary, Indiana Convention, is it going to be another Million Man March, if that's a fair statement? And the details quickly on getting in contact with you for August 27th. Well, my brother that's in Gary, just by talking to him, I don't believe that it would uh, turn out to be something where you draw all the people and after it's over, everybody go back to what they were doing before it started. I don't believe that's uh, his vision. And uh, I plan to be there at that uh, convention, you know, myself, because I can't wait to meet that brother. But the Million Man March has its place. And it did what it had to do to draw us together as a, as brothers on that mall. And I believe it was very, to me, it was very helpful. It was very enlightening. And I, it did good for me. But my, okay. last, my last statement is this. In the Bible and in the Quran and any other holy book, when the people went to war, they were always outnumbered by the enemy. It always was a few who took care of that many. And I know that all it's going to take is a few of us, a chosen few of us, 
to do this great work that we're going to have to do to liberate our people. And so I'm not looking for a million down there. I'm just looking for a few that's serious and really want to do something. Like Red say, if you pray, then put legs on it. If you say what you're going to do, let it be a, a action agenda, aggressive action. And if it's going to be that, I'm all for it. I ain't looking for the numbers. I'm just looking for the few that want to make it happen. And so my number okay. that can reach me at is 773-846-3091. And at the same time, my uh, email address is B-R-O-R-A-M. Did I say that right? <laughs> I said my own stuff wrong. B-R-O-M-I-N-R-A-H-I-M-365 at AOL.com. That's how you can okay. get in touch with Temple of Mercy right. Thank you. So in the last words, even as we reflect and people kind of reflect on uh, Gary, Indiana, Ricky, so are you sure that this is not going to be a, 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 a rally of yah, 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 opposed to a rally of implementation? No, I, I uh, <laughs> it, would, it would definitely be just not a rally. I'm I am uh I am so against just a rally. Like I said, I, I I can almost guarantee you that it just it won't be a rally. The people that I have come even the people that I have coming, um the work that I'm doing here, even assembling my team, everyone understands the significance that it's just not gonna be just a rally. Groundwork will be done, people will be enlightened uh, people will be educated and people will be inspired to take action immediately. That means corralling all resources, all knowledge, all individuals together to make it happen immediately without a second uh, 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 to chance. So, um, no, it will be not. I look forward to that. I want I want to tell everyone that's on the call to uh, continue to get people to register to come out to Gary because it, it will. Uh, it will be something to see. Okay. I believe. What's the number that people we can get in contact with you, at, um, Ricky? How can people reach out for you? Okay, my my contact number is two one nine three five nine nine zero eight eight. That's two one nine three five nine nine zero eight eight. My email is info i n f o at rickycease dot com. That's r i c k y a s e dot com. Info at rickycease dot com. Well, I want to thank uh, uh, the minister, uh, Sax Preacher, uh, Ricky, and our special founding member of Black Wall, Sh- uh, Shaka Barak, for being on this show. Y'all definitely have laid some interesting foundation, and sometimes you pardon my journalistic questions, but I think you all know who I am and what I'm about. Uh, with that in mind, did I give you any time, Sonia? I think you be counting down to two minutes, Ryan. I think you do that on purpose. <laughs> You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Ryan Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I am the executive producer, Ryan. Sonia Cassandra Purdue, executive producer of Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, which we're, la- we're launching a new Internet radio station and watch out Chicago 
this is going to be something different, Ricky. It's going to be about action. So you stay tuned and find out. Want to tell everyone that you can register for the national convention in Gary, October 21st to the 23rd at www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's correct, right, Ricky? Yes. That okay. is it. Just you are correct. Sure just want to be sure you were still listening. Okay. <laughs> we'll be <laughs> we'll be back we'll be back next week. Uh and uh we're gonna close out now. Thank each of you for joining us. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank Top you. Not question all. number one. Imagine that you are a black man and the year is nineteen fifty five. You're walking down the street in a community known as Bridgeport in Chicago, and four white men pull up beside you in a Chevy. Are you afraid? Imagine the year is 1964 and you are a young black man driving down a dark road on your way to Meridian, Mississippi with two Jewish associates. When you see the bright lights of a car in your rearview mirror, then you see a flashing red light and know that it is a police vehicle. Do you feel safe or are you forever regretful? Imagine as a black man in the year 2010, you're driving through Chicago's Inglewood community and you quite appropriately stop at a stop sign. Before you can pull off, four black men pull up next to your car. Are you scared? Where do you as a black American feel safe? Where do you feel threatened? Why are we still afraid? Haven't we been afraid long enough? 